You are now listening to What the Hell, a podcast dedicated to helping you navigate your way to better health. Hello, everyone, and welcome to What the Health. Welcome to episode 74. I'm your host, Lena Lahire, and today we are going to be talking about mistakes not only I made in the beginning of my fitness journey, and actually a little bit throughout, but also mistakes that I saw countless clients make, friends and family, but myself personally, so this is not, you know, a dig at anyone specifically. I definitely made these mistakes myself, but I also saw clients make them. And regrettably, when I was a new trainer and didn't really know a lot about fitness as much as I did with experience, because there's only so much that school can teach you, I absolutely and unregrettably, uh, or sorry, regrettably, led my clients down some wrong paths. So thankfully, I'm in a much better place. You know, like I said, education can only teach you so much. And experience really is where you gain most of the insight when you are a trainer. So we're going to go through the mistakes I made and that clients have made. Mistake number one, doing too much too soon. It's so easy to be really motivated and want to do everything in the beginning. You know, eat perfect, exercise five, six days a week, two hours a day, never go out to restaurants, focus on your sleep, focus on walking every single day. And it's just like, it compiles. And what we're doing when we do too much too soon is we are setting ourselves up for failure. Because in order to build a habit, and this is what we want, we want exercise to become a habit and eating healthy to become a habit. And those habits take time to form. And they take consistency in us doing something over and over and over and over again until it becomes like second nature. The problem with doing too much is that eventually we're going to quote unquote fall off the wagon. Or if we just do too much, we're going to exhaust ourselves in some capacity, whether it's physically or psychologically. And when we do that, we're more likely to just fall off and not sustain ourselves and not come back. But if we start slowly and we can actually see the benefits and feel the benefits, then we're more likely to stay with something. If you do too much exercise in the beginning, you're going to get really sore and potentially injured. If you do enough to feel that adaptation, but you but still feel good when you do exercise, you're more likely to stick with it. 
It's so important to set ourselves up for success by not overreaching or being unrealistic with our goals. That doesn't mean that you can't get to a place where you're exercising five days a week. I think I think that's a great place to be, but you don't need to start there. Research has shown that even two days of strength training a week, you can see massive benefits and adaptations from the body. Do we want to stay at two days a week? Probably not, but it's it's still a good place to start. And if that's all you can do, then it's better than nothing. We need to get away from an all or nothing mentality when it comes to exercise and health, eating healthy in particular, and be moderate in our approach. There will be a time when you can start to add more in, but in the beginning, you really want to set yourself up for success by being moderate and starting slow. Mistake number two, not eating enough. This is huge. When we're starting a strength training program, our muscles need fuel and they need fuel in the form of food. Where else do you get fuel from? But the problem is, again, it comes back to this all or nothing mentality. It's like, I'm going to exercise super hard. I'm not going to eat that much. I'm going to cut my calories drastically, be in that deficit, lose a bunch of weight. And while that may work in the beginning, it's not sustainable. And what ends up happening when we eat too few calories is we start to draw reserves from our muscle, not necessarily from our fat. You might draw a little bit from your fat, but that weight loss, when someone's in a calorie deficit and they're doing too much exercise, you are pulling those reserves from your muscle and you're going to lose muscle mass. You're also going to lose body water. So weight is not the best measurement to go off of, but you're going to lose some function if you don't eat enough you're also, it's going to be really hard to make any kind of strength gains if you do not fuel yourself properly. So what do we want to fuel ourselves with? Well, this comes to mistake number three, and that's cutting out carbs. If you want to focus on performance, and performance is a big deal for you, you have to eat enough carbohydrates, Being in ketosis is not going to give you the energy you need, and it's not going to fuel a workout. It's not going to fuel a 20-kilometer run. It's not going to fuel, you know, hitting new PRs in the weight room, you know, multiple times a week. You have to eat enough carbohydrates. You have to eat enough protein. You got to get some healthy fats, and there has to be a balance So many of us have bought into this low-carbohydrate lie, and while it's beneficial for some people and sometimes, for the majority of people, we need to eat enough carbohydrates to feel satiated and for our body to perform the way we want it to, especially in the gym. Mistake number four, doing too much cardio. I am guilty of this 100%. When I first started working out, I was definitely a cardio bunny. I would go on the elliptical for, you know, 40 minutes and then I do abs. <laughs> abs and elliptical and 
that was not good for building muscle. Unfortunately, it is extremely difficult to both build muscle and be really efficient at cardiovascular workouts. You kind of have to sacrifice one for the other. Now, it's not because you can't gain muscle while you do cardio, but when people focus on cardio, often they won't focus on weight training. So their weight training just goes down because of the amount of cardio they're doing and the time that that takes up. Or if they are lifting weights and doing cardio on separate days, which is optimally what you would do, you're not going to recover as quickly from your weight sessions as you would if you weren't doing so much cardio. So if you keep digging yourself down into a hole, you never have the opportunity to come out and super compensate. So doing too much cardio, if you have strength goals, is a no-no. Does that mean don't do any cardio? Absolutely not. I mean, cardio is wonderful and it's necessary, but how much cardio is really dependent on your goals. Now, if your goal is to run a marathon, then you're probably going to decrease your weights because training for a marathon takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of energy. And you're probably not going to have the energy to continue to weight train if you're putting in that amount of cardio every single day. But if you want to gain muscle, then you have to limit your cardio. If you're going to do cardio and weights on the same day, you do your cardio after your weights. If you do it before, you're not going to have the energy to lift the amount that you normally would. So doing a little bit of cardio afterwards. Walking is really good, although there's mixed reviews on low intensity, long duration exercise and whether that has an effect on hypertrophy or muscle growth. So there's mixed reviews saying that too much is definitely a no-no. It does affect strength because it takes that energy. If you're doing, you know, 10 kilometers of walking every single day and trying to gain muscle and hitting it in the gym, it's going to be really challenging. So you have to figure out what your goals are. And doing too much cardio And not eating enough in particular is extremely hard on our hormones, uh, especially for women, but for men as well. So if you're looking to optimize your health and maintain or grow muscle, then limiting cardio to maybe some high intensity interval training one to two times a week, 10 to 15 minute max. Uh, You could do biking. Cycling has been shown to lead to less Uh, muscle atrophy than running so but if you love running then maybe limit your running to one to two times a week and see how your muscle gains are doing and how you tell that is by how you look and how you feel and impedance scales can kind of measure but there is a lot of inaccuracy within those as well so doing too much cardio that is uh, a mistake I made and that many people make specifically if they're looking to gain muscle and optimize health. Mistake number five, this kind of goes along with it, is making your workouts too long. Man, you know, I used to make my workouts, I was in the gym at least 
two hours, five to six days a week. And why was I in there two hours? I wasn't lifting weights for two hours. I was doing cardio for 45 minutes and then lifting weights for another hour and then cooling down and stretching. You do not need to be in the gym for two hours. People who are in the gym for two hours, I mean, I don't know. It depends on on your training regime. I guess if you're doing like a lot of really heavy lifts and you have long rests in between your sets, I could see how you could be there for a longer duration, but for the majority of people, you want to focus on efficient workouts. And that that could mean you're there for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, but I would say max an hour if you are doing a really efficient workout. There's no need to be there for two hours. If you're going to do really long workouts, you have to fuel your body properly. And there comes a point in our workout where we're going to hit a wall and it's no longer beneficial to just keep driving and driving and driving yourself down. So set yourself up for success and make your workouts a time where you feel good after your workout. Maybe some workouts you feel like you've been drugged through hell. I don't know if you should feel like that through most workouts. I don't know if that's extremely beneficial. I'm I'm guessing not. It's okay to feel com- completely schwacked after a workout or two, but if you, if that's going on every single day, it's too much. Like you should also feel strong and powerful and good and exhilarated after a workout. If you feel like you've been drugged through hell and back after every workout, like you're ju- you're just doing too much, you're not fueling enough, or you're just doing the wrong types of workouts for you. What are we at? One, two, three, four, five, six. Mistake number six. And this is something that I don't blame myself for or anyone else. None of this is, it's not a blame game. Getting your information from fitness magazines. Now, when I started working out, I think I first stepped foot in a gym when I was 17. But prior to that, I, I'd been doing exercise videos, Claudia Schiffer, uh, buns of steel or, you know, aerobics, uh, Pilates. I, I was into all of that. But getting your information from fitness magazines is notorious in the fitness industry. And the problem with that is that it's not individualized to you. So you're going off what all these other people are doing. Um, Most of the time, when you first begin, you don't know what proper form is. You're looking at these pictures. You're trying to emulate it. They explain themselves to a certain degree, but until you're actually in that lift, I mean, there's a lot of lifts that are very complex that it's hard to get that information from a fitness magazine. Now, I didn't, we had the internet when I I was 17 years old, but it wasn't like second nature to go on YouTube and search a workout video. I got my information from Oxygen Magazine or Shape Magazine or something like that, muscle and fitness. But those lifts are really complex. And what happens is we do things that aren't suited for our body or we do them in the wrong way and we end up injuring ourselves. And that's exactly what I did. Those 
those programs and those magazines also are not periodized. They're not structured in a way to help you continue to progress. And so that's really important. One of the best things that you can do, if you can afford it, and I understand we are in times where things are not easily affordable, but if you can afford it, hire a trainer, at least for like five to 10 sessions to get your form down with your big lifts, like your squat and your deadlift, um, things like rows and lat pull downs. Lots of people do these things the wrong way in the gym. And I see it all the time. And if I could correct everyone in the world, it would be wonderful, but not everyone wants my information and my feedback unsolicited. Um, but if you could get those big lifts down and the form right through using a trainer, hiring a trainer, that could be really great. Or even if you can't afford, you know, 10 sessions, ask the trainer if they can do like a five session thing and a program design. And lots of lots of the time, especially in these times where beggars can't be choosers and trainers are looking for clients and looking for business, they'll be willing to do what you need them to do. So if you can't afford a, a ton of sessions, get a few sessions, get those big lifts down, those foundational movements, and get them to design you anywhere from a four to an eight-week program that's properly periodized. Okay, mistake number seven, focusing too much on the scale instead of non-scale victories. And I made an Instagram video about this, and it's so important to understand that the scale is one measurement of many and a poor measurement when you're looking at all of these different things that measure success, especially when it comes to things like strength and fat loss. There is a lot of things that make up how much we weigh. Muscle mass, body water, body fat, organs, our bones. All of these things account for how much we weigh. And the weight on the scale is kind of an arbitrary number. It's just measuring what we weigh at that point in time on that day. It doesn't give us information about how much fat we have on our body, how much body water we have, how much lean muscle mass we have. Even impedance scales are inaccurate at best. They can be helpful if you're looking for trends, but they're not, I wouldn't take the information that you get from them as the gospel truth because they can widely vary depending on how much water you drink, how much water you're retaining, if you've had a proper bowel movement that day. So weight is just one measurement. And when we focus too much on weight, then we end up doing things to drive our weight down that actually impacts our metabolic health negatively. And what we often do to get our weight down is we eat less and we do more cardio. The problem with that is that we're drawing again from our muscle reserves and often just body water. So if you're restricting your carbohydrates and running like a mad person and you end up weighing two pounds less the next day, chances are you just lost a bunch of body water. But if you continue to see that trend 
go down, like your weight go down and you're, you keep being in a calorie deficit, you keep doing a bunch of cardio, a lot of that is going to come from your muscle mass. And we don't want to lose our muscle mass because when we have muscle, we are metabolically more efficient. Bear in mind that muscle does weigh more than fat, but takes up less space. So if you could exchange 10 pounds of fat with 10 pounds of muscle, meaning your weight wouldn't change at all on the scale, but you'd look and you'd feel better, wouldn't you want that? Now, if you're focused on what the scale says, then not seeing that number move is going to be really discouraging. But there's all these non-scale victories that are more important to focus on. Like, how's your sleep quality? How's your libido? How's your strength and performance in the gym? How do you look and feel? How do your clothes fit? These are much better metrics to use because when you are focused on gaining muscle, that scale isn't going to move that much and you have to be prepared for that. However, when you see all of these like, you know, fit people in the gym and they're super shredded or ripped or strong, they did not get there by starving themselves and doing excessive amounts of cardio. No, they did not. They lifted weights and they fueled themselves And they're not so worried about what the scale says. A lot of them are, but in different ways. And that is one of the biggest mistakes when we're starting out in our fitness journey and throughout is we focus on what the scale says. And it's just, it's, it's an all around poor measurement for a lot of different things. And the other thing that it's an issue with psychologically is that we're often comparing our weight to what we are now to when we were like 18 years old, which is completely unrealistic, especially if you're a woman and you've had a kid or two and your metabolism is a little bit differently, or men, if you've had kids and your metabolism is running a bit differently because you're not sleeping as well, there's stress, there's life stressors that come up when you're an adult, all of these different things contribute. So saying that you want to weigh the same thing that you did when you were 18 is probably unrealistic. And what does that weight even mean? Like weight is an arbitrary number. So we need to focus more on those non-scale victories when we're looking at long-term success in our goals, both physically and mentally. Mistake number eight. Working out every day and having no recovery days. Mr. Miyagi had it right when he said, rest and grow, young grasshopper. We need adequate recovery and rest days if we want to see gains in the gym. Not only do you increase your risk of injury when you continue to train every single day, but you never give your body that chance to supercompensate and to recover and to grow. Our muscles, if you work the same muscle out every single day, it just becomes fatigued and we keep damaging our muscles and that's what creates that painful feeling after we've trained in the gym, delayed onset muscle soreness or DOMS. And one of the ways to help to repair that muscle so that we can go damage it again in the gym is through resting and recovering. 
you would never see an athlete, a serious elite level athlete train seven days a week. They just wouldn't because they know and they understand the importance of rest and recovery. I say max five days, max five days, like even four days of weight training is fantastic. You want to do five days, do five days, but have a good two solid days a week of recovery. Does that mean you do absolutely nothing and sit on the couch? No, doesn't have to mean that at all. One of those days you could just walk. I like to walk every day because it's, it's great for your body and it clears my mind. I'm also acutely aware of I can walk too much and then I don't see the gains that I want. But you could go for a walk. You could do some stretching, maybe a 20-minute yoga session. You don't have to be stationary, but you do need to give your body a break. If you're doing high-intensity training, you absolutely need recovery days or else you are going to injure yourself full stop and you are not going to see the gains that you want to see. So that is a huge mistake lots of people make and they continue to make throughout their fitness journey. They don't realize how much recovery they actually need and they keep pushing themselves. And when you start to give yourself proper rest and recovery, you will see those gains like no one's business. Mistake number nine, being too militant with food, calories, and macros. I used to weigh every single ounce of food that I put in my mouth. I knew everything, all the calorie contents, all the macros. And while this can be okay in certain times, maybe, you know, people are also notoriously poor at estimating their calorie consumption. So maybe to start out with, you would measure your calories or monitor or monitor your macros. If you're doing a competition or you're an athlete or you have a specific sports goal, then that could be a time when you're a little bit more militant about food and counting and counting calories and and macros. But for the average person and the average gym goer wanting to be healthy, this is not a sustainable long-term approach to eating. It's not a good strategy. What often happens, what I've seen in myself and with countless clients, is it leads to a disordered relationship around food. It leads to fear around food, fearing going out to eat because you can't measure, you don't know the measurements or the macros to any specific meal that you're ordering. It creates anxiety and fear around going out with family and friends or over to their houses because you don't control the food intake or what's going in the food. And really, if you're at a place where 80% of the time, 90% of the time, your diet is on point, meaning like you're not consuming a bunch of refined sugar or seed oils and you kind of found like the right ratio of macros and the amount of calories that you need to maintain your strength and performance in the gym while staying lean and you're doing that 80 to 90% of the week, why wouldn't you just go enjoy yourself that other 10 to 20%? Like what is the point in having a healthy body and having health If you can never go out and do anything fun, you know, if you're going out and eating five nights a week, 
that's going to take a toll on your body. But if you're only doing that, you know, once a week, once every two weeks, you can absolutely enjoy that. And you should, if you become too restrictive around food, it's going to lead to a lot of mental health issues. And the whole process of being healthy isn't going to be enjoyable. Remembering that a part of health is to have that balance between enjoying ourselves and maybe not eating something that we would normally eat and enjoying ourselves and eating things that we normally eat. There has to be a balance between the two. If you can never enjoy going out and being spontaneous or eating the occasional, you know, high fat, high sugar, high carb meal, I think it's going to be a pretty miserable existence. Does that mean I think that you should have planned cheat days or planned binges? Not necessarily. I'm I'm not a big fan of cheat days. I'm a fan of eating foods that you enjoy every single day. For me personally, I enjoy feeling healthy and I don't enjoy, you know, eating deep fried food every single day because I know how it makes me feel. And our health and our mood are intricately linked. And so if you don't feel good, then your mood is affected. And if your mood is affected, then your body is affected. They they feed off of each other. But I absolutely love going out once a week. I go out once a week and I enjoy myself. Does that mean I might, you know, have a deep fried food? For sure. If we go for Indian food and we get pakoras, I'm I'm definitely having one. Um, I I don't order like, you know, French fries or anything like that. But if Kevin does, which he will, I'm definitely sneaking a couple of those for sure. I don't like to eat a lot of deep fried food just because I know what goes into it. Uh, And that's not the only unhealthy thing that you can eat when you go out. But the point is, I'm not worried about it once a week because the rest of the week, I'm eating really healthy because that's just normally what I eat. But I enjoy going out to eat once a week. I enjoy quality food and good quality restaurants and good quality company. That's my date night with my husband or when we go out with friends. It's important socially for us to do that. And it's important for our mental health. Okay. Mistake number 10. Pushing through injuries. And this kind of ties back to mistake number eight, which is working out every day. When you have an injury and you continue to push yourself, that's not helpful. If you broke your foot and you continue to walk on it, how quickly would that foot heal? It would take a long time because you keep re-injuring it. When you're injured, that is your body's way of saying, you've done too much, something has happened, it needs time to recover. That doesn't mean that you can't move, and it depends on the body part that's injured. I mean, if you injure your lower back, it's going to be real hard to do much of anything, but go for maybe a light walk or do some physio stuff. But it's important. If you're a regular gym goer, I had this one guy tell me this one time. (laughs) It's such a toxic mentality. But at the time I was like, yeah, totally. Because I was like always injured because I was always doing too much. And I wanted to do everything. All the cardio, all the plyometrics, all the strength training, all the power lifting. I wanted to do it all. And he said 
the best we can hope for is to be between injuries. And I was like, yeah, that's so true because injuries are just inevitable. Maybe, but they don't have to be. I mean, we we learn our boundaries often, unfortunately, by getting injured. And we're like, oop, that was my boundary and I went too far. However, we don't have to do that if we're starting low and slow and intentional. Does that mean you're never going to get injured in the gym? No. Most people will get injured if they work out. That is just a hazard of working out. But we don't have to get to that point. Or if we do get to that point, then we also need to learn from it and not make that mistake again. I remember when I got my first serious injury and I had fractured my tibia because I was determined to run 15 kilometers five days a week, um, do a bunch of high intensity aerobic training plus resistance training. And eventually my body just gave out. And I remember being in the physiotherapist and him saying, you're not going to be able to run for six months. And at the time I was 19 and running was everything to me. I was not strong enough to run and I was running too much and I wasn't eating enough and I wasn't taking time to rest and recover. I mean, this is before I knew anything about fitness and I was just devastated. And you think I would have learned, but I didn't. I took that six months off. I did a back to running program. I got back to running But then for years, I would get injured again from running too much. And we have a short memory as human beings. We do not like to remember the things that we've done for whatever reason. And now I understand if I do too much, especially running, I'm going to hurt myself. It is not okay and not admirable to push through injuries. And if you're getting injured all the time, you need to seriously take a step back and ask yourself why. And I'll tell you the answer to why. It's because you're doing too much. You're not giving yourself enough time to recover. You're not fueling your body properly. And your mindset around exercise needs to shift. Because if you continue to push through injuries and do too much, I bet you that your motivation for exercise is not coming from a place of self-care. It's coming from a place of punishment. And you're using exercise as a way to either punish your body or deal with stress or whatever, have something to control, but it's not coming from a place of self-care because if it was, you would listen to your body, you would acknowledge what your body is telling you and you'd be compassionate and give it what it needs, which is rest, especially when you're injured. So that's a, that's a really big mistake. And it's a mistake I see people make all the time. They'll injure themselves, but their mindset around their body is like, no, I need to keep working out because I need it for stress relief. What is my body going to look like if I stop doing this for, you know, three weeks? And they just continue to push. And what happens is their injuries don't heal properly and they develop even more of a dysfunctional relationship with exercise and with their body. 
last mistake, I'm sure there's lots more, but these are, these are the mistakes that were salient to me when I was thinking about, okay, what did I do throughout my fitness journey, especially in the beginning? And what did I see with clients? Mistake number 11, eating low calorie or low fat processed foods. I grew up with my grandparents going to Weight Watchers and they would go for their weekly weigh-ins and they would measure out all their food and they would have those little tiny packages of <laughs> Weight Watcher snacks like cookies and banana bread or you know whatever it was, lean cuisine meals, low-fat everything, low-calorie everything, thinking that that was going to be beneficial for my body and it was absolutely not beneficial for my body is just a bunch of processed food. It didn't satiate me. It didn't fuel me properly. But again, when we get really hung up on calories instead of looking at the food quality or even macros, this is where macros are are much more important, then those low-calorie, low-fat options are going to look really enticing because you could eat some like cinnamon bun that has 120 calories and you're good. Mind you, it has like 25 grams of sugar, no fiber and no protein. So eating those kinds of foods is something that I definitely engaged in when I started out my fitness journey. And they're not helpful. Eat real food. Don't worry so much. I mean, you do have to worry about calories if you're, if you're, wanting to track and you're wanting to lose weight and you're wanting to make gains in the gym. I think it's a I think it's good to know your basal metabolic rate and to hit a proper calorie target. Because if your goal is weight loss and you genuinely have weight to lose and you're eating 3000 calories a day but you're only burning 2000 calories a day. Um, that's not going to be helpful. I don't think you have to be a genius to figure out that you're just going to gain weight. So you need to find the right amount of calories for you and the proper ratio of carbs, fat, and protein, your macros. And you have to be cognizant of it. And maybe this is when weighing your food or measuring it or tracking macros in the beginning can be helpful, but it's not a long-term strategy. What we want to understand is how to eat intuitively, how to listen to our body cues, but also just to use common sense. Like make sure you're getting enough protein at every single meal. Eat complex, healthy carbohydrates like potatoes and sweet potatoes and whole grains and fruits and vegetables. Um, Eat healthy fats like avocados and olive oil and coconut oil and butter. Be moderate and Understand that your macro needs are going to change depending on your goals, depending on your activity level, depending on your age. So nothing is ever static. Which leads me to my last and final mistake is thinking that things are going to stay the same forever. And that might sound kind of like, well, who would ever think that? But you have to admit, we do kind of get into that headspace where like, hey, if I do this, this, and this, then this is going to be my result and I never have to change it. That's not true because life changes and we adapt. The body is amazing at adapting, which is why 
we need to change our workouts every anywhere from four to eight weeks, maybe 10. But our body is so good at adapting that we need to either change the duration, the intensity, the type, how many reps, sets, the tempo that we're doing in order to see those changes and those adaptations change and shift again. So nothing ever stays the same. The same is true for our diet. You might be eating one way now and it works for you. But what happens in six months when something changes and that way of eating or certain foods, maybe they don't work well for you. Maybe you're just not interested in those foods anymore. What are you going to stay doing something and be belligerent and just say, no, this worked then. So it's going to work now. We have to be willing to evolve and let life kind of lead us where we need to go. If we're constantly wanting to stay static, then we can never expect to see change. And so when it comes to your fitness regime and the way that you eat, expect it to change. It will change throughout your entire life. And you have to be willing to allow it to change. If you're not, it's going to be a pretty miserable experience because you're going to be constantly fighting something that's meant to be changing and evolving. So those were my top 12 mistakes that I made in the beginning of my fitness journey and some throughout and that I see the majority of clients doing. I'd be really interested to hear your feedback. And if you have done these mistakes as well or been through these mistakes or maybe you're going through them right now again there's no there's no shame or blame this is a a marathon not a sprint health is a marathon not a sprint and we're going to make mistakes and I'm going to continue to make mistakes I'm sure if I made this podcast in five years from now I'd look back and be like oh I was totally doing that wrong but this is what health and fitness is all about. It's about learning. It's about growing. It's about evolving. It's about seeing the mistakes we make and changing them and accepting them and moving forward. Thank you guys so much for listening. I had a lot of fun recording this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you gained better insight into how you can be the healthiest version of yourself that you can be. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and please leave me a review as your reviews get this message of better health out there. You can also follow me on Instagram at Lena Jade's Healthy Life, where I post fitness, nutrition, and psychology content pretty much every day. All right, you guys, that is it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode. And as you go throughout your day, always remember... You are powerful over your health.